What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Milner. Today, I was joined by a very special guest. I had Tony Marinucci, registered dietitian, on the show. This was such a fun conversation. Uh, we talked about the parallels of dieting and dating and uh, just going over some of the ways to find what works for you and get yourself out of that boxed mindset. Like You don't need to be placed in a diet box. You can actually find something that fits you for you and who you are. So this was an amazing conversation. You guys are going to love it. I would love to hear your feedback. If you enjoy the content, please tag us both on Instagram. Um, Tony is at tips underscore with underscore Tony. And I am at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner and enjoy the episode. All right. I am joined by a very special guest today. I have Tony Marinucci. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Did good. On the show with me. <laughs> um, super excited for this conversation. Uh, you are somebody that uh, we just have a lot of philosophies in alignment. So it's cool to just kind of, you know, hear from a different perspective, but also uh, knowing that uh, there's a lot that we share in common in terms of our perspectives on dieting, nutrition, and and all of that. So first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, definitely. So best place to start is, I don't think I've ever heard your origin story. Um, and so I always love, this is like my favorite part of podcasting in general, is just hearing mm -hmm. like how it all began. Like, why did you get into this industry in the first place? And um, just let's start with the beginning. Yeah. Well, my story is going to sound very similar to yours. I just had you uh, the pleasure of having you on my podcast. And I was like, as you were talking, I'm like, oh my God, it's like everything I've ever experienced. Um, but she's basically, you know, I think a lot of people who go into nutrition coaching, or I personally am a registered dietitian, you know, it came from part of like a selfish place and also like dark places and negativity, which hopefully we were able to shape into making positive impacts on people's lives. But for me, it started when I was younger. I was very insecure and overweight about my body. Um, it's, ironically, I was happy and people kept telling me my weight was a problem or an issue. So I had started to become fixating on it more and I started to blame everything for it. So I grew up really hating eating my body, blaming my body for just basically anything. And so what do you do when you don't like your body? You want to change it, right? So we know the story. It leads to restrictive dieting, excessive exercising. I was obsessed with food. I was obsessed with changing the way that my body looked. Um, and really nothing ever felt like it was enough. So I decided to go to school to become a registered dietitian because I felt like that was going to help me figure this out for myself personally. Um, but then also too, like along the way, I did, as I started to get a a little bit further away from the obsession with food and more towards just like learning how to nourish my body. I didn't hadn't I didn't have it quite figured out quite yet, but at that point I did start to feel, you know, I had more of a glow. I felt more confident. I was a little bit happier, like genuinely happier. So I was like, okay, there's something here. So I went to school to become a registered dietitian and now I help women who struggle with disordered eating patterns very similar to what you do. I mean, really just help them figure out what works best for them. Because as I was learning about so many things in school, I was learning that, you know, so many people just want to like fit into a box and fit into a category. When in react actuality, we're so unique and that's what makes us so special. And we can take parts of certain aspects of certain diets and, you know, meal plans and all of that, but that doesn't need to be our meal plan or our way of eating. We have to figure out what works best for us. So that's basically why I do what I do now. 
Yeah, literally speaking my language um, <laughs> all the time. You don't fit into a box. You're unique. Uh, everything like about not just hormonally and metabolically, but personal life, social life, work life, personal preferences, all the things mm-hmm. that make us who we are. Um, and all of that, of course, plays a role in your nutrition and fitness. Um, so I'm just going to come right out of the gates and fire off like the million dollar question, which is we know that there is this tendency to want to pursue the thing, right? Like what's mm-hmm. the diet? What's the answer? And that's just mm-hmm. human nature. Like, just give me the answer. We want to know, like, is it, is it keto? Is it paleo? Is it fast? Like, what's the thing? And here we are talking about like, you know, you, it, it depends. It depends on the individual. You have to find what works for you. And that's like not super sexy to talk about. So the question is, how do we get there? How do we go from this? You know, we've both experienced it personally and we've, we've kind of walked clients through that process, but but how do we do this on a massive scale when you really mm. talk about like population wide? How do we get people out of the mindset of like, I need to jump into this box or this box versus how do I find what's the best fit for me? Yeah. Um, I think the number one thing is you have to change your mindset. I mean, you say it best, right? Mindset over macros. Like that's literally what you have to do because if you don't have a healthy mindset, a healthy relationship with food, a solid foundation, anything after that is going to be temporary or you're going to be miserable, right? So we have, if you really want a goal of what I call food freedom, so being able to eat without feeling guilty, feeling confident in your skin, confident in your food choices, knowing what works best for you, you first have to shift your mindset to understanding that this isn't a temporary thing. This is your life and your life is precious and you only get one. So you do want to take care of your body, but it doesn't need to have to be at this urgency that I think so many people are just like waiting. Like I'll be happy when I get to my goal weight. Um, I make the parallels and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but of like dieting and dating. And like, you know, a lot of people say like, I'll be happy when I get into a relationship or I'll be happy when I find my soulmate or it's like, no, it's about being happy now. It's about loving the journey and that's going to, if you can go in with, instead of being so fixated on just the end result and instead being fixated on how you want to feel and how you are in the moment, that's going to help kind of shape you there. So, and more specifically when it comes to food, I think we have to unlearn a lot of the things that we've learned, right? You have to really shift the mindset from restriction to fuel or nourishment and self-care, Honestly, taking care of your, like eating healthy, um, healthier food and more nutritious and balanced foods is really an act of self-care, right? If, because when we don't do that, we tend to feel sluggish, tired, fatigued, bloated, right? Not setting boundaries, not allowing, putting ourselves first, getting our workouts in. It tends to fall back into, um, it really comes back on us. And right. And so if we shift our mindset to this is a way of me taking care of my body rather than trying to change my body, I think that alone is a good starting point. And then you'll get away from the rigidity. Cause I think a lot of people go like the all in mindset um, and super obsessive, super restrictive, but you start to realize that like, it's okay if you want to have a cookie, right? Like I say this, I say this a lot. I say this in my Ted talk. I say this like all over. I'm always telling like, it's the kick. The cookie is not the issue. The cookie is ignoring your hunger cues for hours and hours and hours. And then you eat the entire box of cookies because you ignored your hunger cues all day. Like that's the deeper issue. Yeah. And I think if we can just shift our mindset to let people know that there's a balance, it's fluid, it's flexible. You're in this for the long haul. It's not a temporary thing. And if you just come from a place of care versus criticism, I think you're going to get a whole lot faster and uh, uh, you're going to not even faster. You're going to get to your goal. You're just going to like 
not, it's not even get there. You're just going to be, <laughs> you're just going to like be a happier, happier, healthier person. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think what's so fascinating about what you're saying and, and so important to highlight is the fact that when you come from this place of I'll be happy when, and you think about this like magical finish line, which by the way, that was my reality for a very long time. And, and what ended up happening is every time I got to that quote unquote finish line and mm-hmm. nothing felt different internally, it was, well, this wasn't the, this wasn't the goal weight, it's 10 pounds less and then 10 Mm -hmm. pounds less. And it was Mm -hmm. never enough. But I think what's interesting about that is when you take that approach, isn't it funny what we're willing to put our bodies through when we think that there's this like light at the end of the tunnel, there's like this magical thing that's going to happen. So we end up not listening to our hunger cues. We end up Mm -hmm. being tired as fuck and thinking that's normal, you know, Mm -hmm. loss of sex drive, loss of cycle, like all these things. And your body's like screaming at you like, Hey, this is not okay. And we're like, Nope, I just have to power through because there's a finish line that I'm going to cross. And when you take the approach that you're talking about of like, let's actually listen and focus on being happy right now and nourishing and doing it from a place of self-care all of a sudden, you're not willing to put yourself through those things. You're not willing to just white knuckle your way through it. You're going to have the cookie when you want the cookie. You're going to eat mm-hmm. a well-balanced diet. It's just, it becomes what you do. Like you said, I think that's you know super interesting and important to highlight. Um, I'm curious from your perspective and your own personal experience, what was the shift for you? Was there like a, a moment or was it kind of a progression where you're like, you know what? I've been approaching this all wrong. I'm curious, like your own personal experience. Yeah. Um, I would say it's probably happened a little bit like over time, but I think the shift really was when, so I did start to find balance in my eating habits and start to recognize like that story you just said about getting to your goal weight and never feeling enough. Like I got there and I actually, I I talk about this in my book that I'm releasing this year. Um, it's a chapter and it's in, in a, in a part I, I say, like I was saved by sickness. Basically what happened was I was on this like pursuit of the ideal epitome of fit. And I don't even think it was coming from a negative place at that point. I just like was counting macros, training six days a week. Like I was loving the process, but I probably at the same time was so caught up in the momentum of things that I was ignoring some of the signs. And so anyways, long story short, I get to my goal weight. It's not enough. I end up getting sick um, with uh, like, it's a long story. So you have to read the book because I don't want to <laughs> bury you, <laughs> but I had to stop training. So I had to stop training. I've never, I've always, even though I was overweight my whole life, I always played sports my whole life. I did was always physically active. So I had to literally stop exercising after 27 years of always being physically fit. It was uh, like my whole everything got stripped away from me. I was a dietitian. I finally like was starting the abs were starting to show like all the things I had. I had it all like, per se. And I'm using air quotes if you can't see. And I had to let go of that. And that honestly, I think for me was the pivotal moment where I started to recognize like, if all I have is, is a body and a, and a, and a, a, um, eating style, but like, not like, I didn't feel like I had an identity outside of that. Like, that's a problem. That's like a really big problem, you know? And so it really helped, it really forced me to kind of go back to that place where I really needed to look at the way that I was treating my body, you know, forms of movement that felt good to me that wasn't necessarily high intensity interval training or, you know, strength training six days a week. Like I really had to go to this place of healing. I really needed to shift that. But so anyways, I say that to say that I recognized that was the shift that I needed to make for me. Um, 
But then I started to also recognize patterns in my relationships. So I was dating men that just like were not good fits. Like they just were not good fits. I ignored all the red flags. And as I started to recognize the parallels in my nutrition, like, and how I was changing my nutrition and using it to manipulate and make me feel better. I started realizing I was trying to do that with my relationships with dating and in men. And that's when I realized that like, okay, I have the nutrition part figured out, but like these women are you, you, the way they're dieting is the way they're dating. They're going into these relationships that are just like, they think that that's what they need to do to be happy. And they're ignoring all the red flags. They're settling for things. And that's when it really started to become like really obvious that I wasn't alone in this, that so many people were just so fixated on finding the person or the thing to fix them, to make them feel better, that they were ignoring all the reasons why they were not good fits. And that's when I I think it all started to come together for me. Okay. So I'm so excited about this conversation because (laughs) as you're, as you're saying that, all I can think about is how when I was going through my like diet hopping phase and chronic dieting years, I came to the realization that even though the name of the diet was different, it was just a dressed up version of the same shit. Literally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I've also seen is that when you do that for so long, that becomes comfortable and, and it's mm-hmm. like what you know. So then when you're looking for the next thing, you kind of naturally subconsciously go to that level of restriction again. And the mm-hmm. parallel is we see this repeated with people who leave toxic relationships and often go right into another toxic relationship because that's what they know. If they're in that relationship for so long, it becomes comfortable. They can predict even something that's toxic to your brain that provides that predictability. It's like, okay, I know what's coming. Mm -hmm. So I would rather a known misery versus an unknown, whatever might happen. And that's scary to jump into that unknown, whatever might happen. And I think that we see that parallel with dieting as well, jumping from just because the diet's different, it doesn't mean it's actually different. And then we kind of gravitate back towards that level of discomfort. And because we know what it feels like to be restricted and stepping outside of that into an unknown is scary. Um, can you talk just like your take on that? Yeah. Well, so it's not. And so in my particular situation, it was quite toxic. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. But sometimes it's not even toxic. They're just like not good fits, you know, whether it be the diet or whether it be the person. But I think what people are trying to always revisit or relive is that honeymoon phase, right? So whenever you start something new, it always feels good because you're taking care of yourself. You feel like you're taking care of yourself, right? You're drinking more water, you're eating more vegetables, you're being mindful of your portions, right? So whatever it is, you know, or the weight's coming off because at the start of anything, like you're just losing lots of water weight, like often you know, the, the beginning is what's exciting. When you first start dating someone, that's when the chemistry is all there, right? That's when it's all exciting. And like, you can't keep your hands off each other. Right. But we know that eventually in relationships, that stuff fades and you got to work a little bit to keep it alive. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean because it fades that you're not a good fit for each other. Right. And I think so many people are so fixated on trying to revisit or relive the honeymoon phase. And you're just, it's just not realistic as an expectation. So with diets, like I think everyone's looking for like the quick results, the things to like, they want to know that it's going to work. And, you know, when you're really trying to just commit to a healthier lifestyle, not every day is going to be like the best day. Like some days are just, you know, we want the majority of the days to be better than others. Just like in a relationship, you know, you want the good to outweigh the bad per se, but like, it's not always going to be this magical, you know, it's not a fairy tale. 
You know, that's what I talk. That's why my book's called Once Upon a Diet. Like we have been per- like the what we've been shown in the media is like a big giant fairy tale of these expectations that are not real. Like you can be happy, content, and proud of yourself on a daily basis, but you don't have to go to extremes to get there. Yeah, and that's a fantastic title, by the way. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for the book to come out, and I'm going to highly encourage everybody to get a copy when it does come out. Um, so you have to keep us posted on that. And, um, you know, it's, it's so true. I think just like the overall, like there's so many parallels, but one of the things when I think about like a quality relationship to your point after the honeymoon phase and the the excitement wears off, there's one thing that I think is important is like two people that can sit in silence together and be totally comfortable and Mm. just there and present and at peace with the situation. And nobody feels like they have to force it. Same thing with your nutrition. Like, guess what? Having obsessive thoughts all the time around food is not a healthy thing. So Mm-mm. if you can just, you're not even on a diet. It's just what you're doing. It's, it's because how you feel and you don't have to think about, should I be doing something different? Do I have to like fill this empty space? Like what, what, what do I eat next? And you're just able to sit in silence and be comfortable with what you're doing. I think again, like post honeymoon phase, that's kind of a good sign that like you're on the right track, that you're listening to your body. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, I think that the challenge is there is such a like massive marketing machine that labels diets that push, you know, it's like, there's so much um, ideology and just like a dogmatic approach to people identifying as their diet. Like I am, Mm -hmm. I am vegetarian. I am paleo. I am this, I am that. And then it's like, we see these battles of like, what's right, what's wrong. And nobody takes a step back and says like, maybe this is right for this person. And that's right for that person. And and can't we all like find that, you know, that approach for ourselves. Um, So how do you try to, I guess, like help people drown out that noise and kind of operate with blinders on when it's so easy to say like, oh, my, my neighbor's doing this and my friend's Mm -hmm. doing that. And I'm over here, like not where I want to be. So should I jump on their program? Like, how do you mm. navigate just the the massive information overload? Yeah, well, I think that's where working with a professional, working with a registered dietitian is super helpful. Um, and what we do in um, my program per se, what I have my clients do is work with a dietitian one-on-one where they're constantly being introspective. That's the way that it's all set up. So it's a minimum six months. And one thing that I have all the clients start with is just taking photos of their food. So we're creating that awareness about what you're eating without having having to track numbers, um, you know, because it can, you know, if they're coming from an obsessive background or a disordered eating background, I try to keep it like we need awareness, right? Because if you can track it, you can change it, but we don't want it to become overly like you need to eat this, you need to eat that. So it's really just a giant awareness um, component to it. And then the dietitians are always asking them to kind of be aware of their hunger, checking in with their hunger. At first, you might not be in touch with your hunger cues. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that because you've been ignoring them for so long. We almost can't trust or rely on your hunger cues. So obviously they're given some sort of structure and guidelines to follow to start. But from there, it's really helping them to gain their trust back so that they can rely on their hunger. Um, And then each week they're going through kind of how they felt, right? So if we can fix One thing I say a lot is the second I went from fixating on how 
food was going to make me look and instead focused on how food was going to make me feel, that's when I found balance in my eating habits. And that's what I want everybody who goes through the program to be able to achieve is to understand that if you focus on just feeling better, feeling more energized, feeling less bloated, you know, um, feeling confident, and you make choices aligned with how you want to feel, then naturally you're going to reach your goals and all that stuff's going to come after. But um, I think just having that constant check-in with between taking photos of their food on a daily basis, having the weekly calls with the dietitian, they fill out a form before each call that kind of goes over all of those kind of basically are, we're getting feedback on, you know, bowel movements, energy, stress, sleep, hydration, like just how they're taking care of their bodies. It forces them to slow down. So many people are so busy taking care of everybody else, doing so many things that they never take that moment to just pause and be introspective. And honestly, that alone brings them so far because now it's not about what Susie's doing or Karen or whoever. It's about like, what am I doing and how does this make me feel? And then what tweaks need to be made along the way? Yeah. And I think that, you know, I love the approach. Also, it highlights the fact that yes, you can do this on your own. No problem. Uh, It will take a lot longer and yeah. it come with a lot more frustration and stress and mental energy wasted versus having the accountability, having the, the support, the guidance of somebody who's been there, done that, and has helped a lot of people through the process. So um, again, I, I mean, for me, you can't put a value on that. But one of the things that you talked about in your TED Talk that I love is, so I'm a big believer in like, okay, so you know, I'm a mindset first, right? But one of the things that I think is the most important lesson is how we perceive failure. Because mm. oftentimes we look at failure and it prevents us from moving forward because we think it's a character flaw. Or we look at, you know, just using the dieting example, like, well, I was unsuccessful. So then that means that I can't be successful because I failed at this thing. And, and a lot of people come to me and it's like, well, I've tried, you know, 20 different diets. I've tried everything. Uh, you know, why it always should, come at the end. Why? why, why? Should, why We're always the last one. resort. Yeah, why? Like, why one more? And I'm like, well, uh, what you know, think about like all the things that you learned from those experiences? Think about and, and using the relationship parallel. Think about people that you've dated in the past. It taught you what you were looking for or what you didn't want in a partner. Um, mm-hmm. So, can you just go like you you had mentioned, uh, just like learning the lesson from previous failures? And I think that mm-hmm. that's such an important thing to perceive failure as the opportunity to learn and grow and say okay, because of this, I'm better suited now. So taking that as a positive rather than thinking about, oh, I spent all this money on all these programs. Like, okay, you invested in lessons. You know, there's nothing more valuable mm-hmm. than life experience and lessons learned so that you can eventually be where you want to be. I think that, um, yeah, I'll just let you uh, go from there. Yeah. No, I mean, it, that's exactly right. And you, the only time you fail is if you quit. Like you're, you're not stopping. You're not, you're never going to stop trying. And I think people get frustrated with trying so many diets that they're like, you know, I'm done, but then they don't ever learn what else to do, which is sad that we have to teach humans how to eat, which is such a normal thing, but you know, that's diet culture. Um, but like, basically what I very, the very first thing that before I even work with someone, I'll talk with them about what they've done in the past. And we identify from there, there were probably aspects of, for example, Weight Watchers, right? 
right? Weight Watchers has you track. They like the accountability, but they also maybe didn't like that they felt like if they had, you know, less points or whatever that it ended up, you know, they ended up going over. They didn't like that. So for them, something like calorie counting or point, it's probably not going to be effective. I mean, we can try it, but chances are that's, that's something that triggers them. So that's telling to us that you do like, you liked the tracking, but you didn't like it to the extent in which it was perceived given to you, which is where like the photo taking of the food could be like kind of a better plan of action for you. Or for example, a lot of people do super, super low carb diets. And it's like, you don't have to go no carb or even very low carb. Maybe your body does do better with less carbs, but you don't need to exclude them. If anything, that's probably what's screwing up your metabolism. (laughs) That's a whole other thing. But like, you know, there's so many components to where we can like, listen, your body is telling you something, right. But it doesn't have to be to exactly to a T of, you know, um, you know, other components. Also, I will say like some people find that they have like allergies or sensitivities or intolerances, you know, for example, like whole 30, you know, you don't have to be whole 30 is supposed to be temporary yet. Everybody uses it as like this long-term thing. It's supposed to be something that's kind of helping you to identify, you know, food sensitivities, but you could, you know, you don't have to exclude now all of these foods that they say are, you know, potentially hazardous. Now people are afraid of eating those foods, but chances are maybe you learn that, okay, maybe you're sensitive to gluten. So you, you, you know, eliminate that, but you don't need to now be afraid of all the other foods that they told you to, you know, take off the list. So, I think it's important to look at the components to why something didn't work, maybe because it was too restrictive, all right, or you had to track too much and then figure out what you, how you want to feel, how you want to be, and then find the middle ground within that. Okay. So essentially what you're saying is we take all the things that didn't work. We learn the lessons from them. We apply what we know moving forward. And then we listen to what our bodies are communicating with us to know what feels good and what doesn't. And that seems way too easy. But isn't it it funny how like coming back to something like that simple and just like the basics, I hate to say the basics because so many people avoid it, but that's really what it comes down to. Like listening to your body and understanding when you have more energy, when you have less cravings, when your mood is more stable, like Mm -hmm. all of those things, that's Mm -hmm. pretty basic. Um, Do you think that a lot of the just like environment that we're in has taken us away from that in terms of like, daily stress and uh, maybe even, you know, just technology, social media, constantly seeing like, you know, the, the highlight reel and, and even just like the food environment, like, do you Mm -hmm. think that coming back to the basics, which seems so simple, like, yes, I'm just going to listen to my body. I'm going to do what makes me feel good. I'm going to learn the lessons from the past. Um, How much do you think is influenced by just like current, you know, society, like what we're up against every day? I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Social media is, you know, you have to really do a, you have to unfollow accounts that have this like unrealistic expectation, or they only show the highlight reel. If anything triggers you or makes you feel like, oh, I should do that, or I need to do that, or maybe, maybe that's how I have to eat. Like unfollow those accounts. You know, you have to protect your environment, you know, for so long, like my mom would wake me up with like the news in the morning, like at 7 a.m. for school. And I don't li- even listen to the news today. Like it's nothing by her. Like, but the point is, is that like now I listen to podcasts. I listen to things like you have to 
drown out all that nonsense and fill your ears with positive influence. So listening to this podcast right now, like Mike, your account is incredible. Like anybody who wants to improve their relationship with food needs to follow accounts that like Mike's, like that's what you need to do. And then any other ones, you have to just get it out of your mind. If you have a friend that is like always like chronically dieting and you're trying to get away from dieting, you know, you need to not sit next to them at a party. Like you, you have to excuse yourself. It's you're creating boundaries and like that, that's okay. Um, but yeah, the media that like currently that the, the society that we currently live in, it's just toxic. Disordered eating has been normalized in society, skipping meals, ignoring your hunger. Intermittent fasting is a prime example of like a glorified fad. That's literally telling you to ignore your hunger. Right. Like that's it. Although that might be a strategy, that's an advanced strategy. That's something that you need to have a foundational basis, basic base with like a healthy relationship with food and understanding before you even try something like that. Cause otherwise it, it becomes just like any other diet, just like any other trend, you know? So you have to just really be mindful of, you know, what's around you and recognize that if it's not serving you, you don't have to do it. You know, you have to follow what your gut says and your intuition and really listen to that. Um, and that's going to help guide you. And sometimes with the busyness, with the stress, with constantly, you know, all the things that we're doing, running from A to B, we forget, we don't even spend time with ourselves enough to know that, what that looks like or what that feels like. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and again, just another reason to have that accountability and support through the process mm-hmm. because it's difficult to go at it alone. Um, and And I think what you're saying, like the normalization of disordered eating. I for sure experienced that personally. Uh, I got so like, I, I, I've told this story before, but my, my sister is a eating disorder uh, therapist and uh, had, it, you know, had this moment with me when I was in the thick of my chronic dieting and was like, I think you have orthorexia. And I was so offended. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. just trying to be healthy. And I was obsessed and you know, anything macros, it doesn't matter what the approach is, fasting macros, all of it. Um, any tool can be used or abused. And sometimes we justify it by saying, I'm just trying to be quote unquote healthy or whatever the justification might be. Um, but I think, you know, deep down when it's gone too far and, Mm -hmm. you know, just, I think the normalization comes from when somebody looks a certain way, and yep. that was what I realized, like when, when, you know, going through uh, and witnessing my sister go through an eating disorder, uh, the, the compliments, and it was always like, yeah. I wanted to shake people and be like, if you only knew what was happening. Yeah. And, and it's just unfortunate that that's, you know, hopefully through like work like yours and, and, you know, having conversations like this, we bring more awareness to it and more people can, you know, find their way out of that hole. But, um, I couldn't agree more. So uh, what I, you know, just kind of like circling back to what we're talking about in terms of like finding your own way of doing things and what's the right fit for you. Um, I obviously have like a unique way of doing that through personality assessments. Um, you just came out with a way of doing that through your own little assessment. So I'd love for you to talk about, I think it's it's super cool to see like what you've done and how you've been able to um, utilize your own assessment to help people like identify where they are and, and kind of like the approach to take for themselves. Yeah. So I love your quiz, by the way. I ended up taking it late, um, the other day. So it was really, really great. Mine is not as in, intense. It's like 10 questions, <laughs> but um, it's like, basically I decided because as much as we, like we talked about in the beginning of this podcast, that you don't need to fit into a box. I think people do like to know some sort of like 
aspect of like where they are. So like I do within my work, I met people in the middle. So I created a Disney princess quiz. It's an eating archetype quiz. And it goes along with my TED talk and my book and the theme, you know, once upon a diet and talking about fairy tales and relationships. And it came to me because I was just observing. I love Disney and I love Cinderella, by the way, like my favorite, Um, but I love all the Disney movies. And so Cinderella like was always something that came up within my talk and in the book and like, you know, actually more so I, in the, in my Ted talk, I talk about Cinderella's stepsisters. So we all, they would go around trying to jam their feet into, you know, that glass slipper, trying to make it fit. Whereas like everyone goes around trying different diets, trying to jam themselves into making it fit when really they need to figure out what works best for them. Um, But so this theme kind of came to me and I wanted people to understand that they have a specific characteristic about them that actually can be a superpower if harnessed correctly. But we know we've seen like Cinderella, for example, super hopeful. That's her characteristic, but she settles for love less than ideal circumstances. If her fairy godmother never came around, she'd still be a slave to her stepsisters and her stepmother, right? So like, it's almost like they're, you know, the clean eating, the rigidity, the rigidity, the perfectionistic mindset, like settling less than for less than ideal circumstances, never feeling like it's enough. Like she was conditioned to feel that way. And just like, you know, in society, like I, I think my younger years, I related to Cinderella. Like that's how I bet orthorexia you talked about definitely had developed touches of that for sure. Like, so I think that I wanted people to understand that you're not alone. So part of it is like people who you do, you go through the quiz and then you find out which Disney princess you are. Like people have been starting conversations. They like know that they're not alone. I think that's super cool. But the other part to it is to let people know that like this characteristic that they have of them um, can actually be like a beautiful thing. We just have to be aware. So like self-awareness is the key to everything. So once we know kind of like what our tendencies are, right? So if we are a people pleaser, so Snow White is super kind, she's known for her kindness and she just like takes care of everybody else and like will neglect what she wants in regards to making sure other people are happy. Like just knowing that just means that we need to do better at setting boundaries. We just need to do better at sticking to whatever decision we made regardless of those around us, what they decide, right? So it's like being able to use our characteristic as our superpower. And so when you take the quiz, you're kind of, you're going to be told like things to be weary of and then things to do instead to help guide you so you can find balance in your eating habits too. Yeah. And what I love so much about that is when I teach my course, when I give like a seminar or do my certification for uh, helping people understand like the concepts of how your personality plays into your nutrition and fitness and all those things, I literally start with, if you take nothing else away from this, take away self-awareness. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like that is at the core of all of it. Because if we know some of those tendencies and we have awareness around strengths and weaknesses and, and just kind of like the way that our brain works a little bit, what we gravitate towards, what motivates us, like that's a huge asset. Like self-awareness is the starting point for any yep. process of change. It has to start there. So I love that. Um, now I'm super curious what my princess is. So I have yeah, to- you have to take it. You have to take it. It's, guys have definitely taken it. I don't know. Like, I think, I mean, you know, I work mostly with women, so I like wanted to market towards that, but there's plenty of guys that have gone through it. (laughs) I will definitely take that. I'll let you know what my, my princess is. Um, So tell me uh, or tell everybody, like, where can they go take the quiz? How can they learn more about you? Where can they get the book when it's out? Like, yeah, um, all the things. Yeah. So you can go to take the quiz at tipswithtony.com. 
Um, you can find me on Instagram at tips underscore with underscore Tony with an I. And the book will be out probably in September. That's what I'm aiming for. So if you want to learn more about it, I would say if you're following me on Instagram, that's going to be your best bet um, when it goes live. Or if you're on my email list, um, which you can get on at tipswithtony.com, you will be notified when it comes out. So, I mean, I'm on all of their social media platforms, but I think those are probably the best places to get in contact with me. Awesome. So everybody absolutely go follow Tony, go take the quiz. I'm going to take it. Do you have any guesses on what princess I'll be? I don't know. I don't don't know because I don't know where you're at now. From what you described in your history, I probably would have told you you were Cinderella, but I know you've done a lot of work and healed that. So previously I I would say the same. I I was previously a Cinderella. Now I would be, now I'm a Jasmine. Okay. What are the qualities of Jasmine? Jasmine is, you know, she's known for her independence, which is an incredible thing to be independent. But sometimes if you don't ask for help or what the way I talk about with Jasmine is um, like, she actually in the movie Aladdin, she's a freaking rock star. Like she doesn't, she doesn't marry the person she wasn't supposed to. Like she stands up for herself. So with Jasmine, it's almost like if you pictured it the other way. If she ended up marrying someone she didn't actually want to be with, she would probably eat more emotionally, right? So for me, I have emotional eating tendencies when I am not doing the things that bring me joy, when I'm super stressed out, you know, when I'm like tired and frustrated, or, you know, maybe I need to be asking for help and I'm not asking for help. So that's me now. (laughs) I'm a Jasmine now. I'm a history of Cinderella. I'm now a Jasmine. That that resonates for sure with me. So we'll see. I'll post it to I'll post it to my stories. I'll tag you. And then, oh my god, that'd be amazing. That yeah, I'm excited to hear. I'm yeah, excited. Sure. All right. Well, I this was such a fun conversation. I'm so glad that you're able to join. Um, everybody, go follow Tony. Go uh, take the quiz. Let me know your results. And then, uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining. Thank you.